Hey, good morning. I think you're in for a real uh, treat this morning. Of course, you know we've got uh, Candace Cameron here, better known to some of us as DJ Tanner uh, from Full House. And uh, was that a 50-year-old man I heard do, woo! You're, you weren't even supposed to be watching that show. Uh, so eight years running, highly successful show, lots and lots of fun. And I don't know if you knew this or not, but Candace is just now on a show uh, called Make It or Break It, which is a brand new show on ABC Family. It's just now getting picked up, so you're going to be seeing a whole bunch more uh, of her. And then her husband uh, is here, uh, Val Bure, and uh, he was a professional hockey player for 12 years in the NHL, uh, grew up as a little boy in Russia. So for every kid here who's ever stood in his yard throwing a baseball with his dad and dreaming what would that be like, Val's got this incredible story of being a little kid in I mean, farthest thing from his mind to ever end up playing professional hockey uh, here. At, and so he's got an amazing story. I think you're going to enjoy both these people. But the incredible part is, is to hear a couple who's had great celebrity, has done a whole bunch of things in their lives, and yet somewhere in this story is still woven the story of Jesus Christ. So I think you're going to totally enjoy him. Do me a favor, give them a cornerstone welcome to Candace and DeVal. Okay, so I think, I think for most of us in this room, Candace, we're all a little bit familiar with you, uh, especially because of the whole Full House days. Yes. So help us out. How does, how does someone get on TV? I mean, what, how did that happen that you end up on Full on, House? On Full House? Yeah, I didn't grow up in a show business family. My dad, his, uh, he's retired, but he was a public middle school teacher, and my mm. mom was a stay-at-home mom. And she had a friend whose kids were doing commercials and was on a television show. So she encouraged my mom to take all of us kids on auditions. I have a brother and, and two sisters. You guys might know my brother, yeah. um, Kirk. So it, that's just kind of how it started. My mom was like, okay, we'll just try this and see how it goes. So I started auditioning at five years old for commercials. And at 10, I auditioned for a DJ on Full House, and I got the part. Wow. And I think that's kind of interesting because not only did you get on, but your brother gets on. So out of the same family, not even really even thinking that way, two of you guys ended up with some pretty substantial careers. Out we of the did. Yeah, yeah, I don't think my parents, I mean, they had no clue and weren't, I think it was overwhelming big time right. <laughs> at times for them. But, um, but they kind of rode the wave and did what they needed to do to keep the family in place while we were kind of navigating through the, the industry, and I think they did a pretty good job. <laughs> so tell, tell us, what, it, what is it like, because uh, as you were doing Full House, you're, you're on the set with a bunch of comedians. What's that like, being on the set of Full House? I had, I had so much fun being on the show. It was a wonderful childhood, and I wouldn't change it for the world, and it was a great group of people, and um, pretty much everyone asked me if I still keep in touch with the cast, and I do. I love everyone, but... Um, yeah, Bob Saget and Dave Coulier, very funny guys. Yeah. A lot of times the, the, the stuff was inappropriate for children that they were saying. And if anyone, <laughs> They didn't air that part of the no, show. No, they huh? didn't air that. And if anyone knows Bob Saget's real stand-up comedy, 
Yeah. Um, it's a little scary at times, but uh, I grew up probably a little faster than I should have. Yeah. But but it was it was wonderful. Yeah. So we've all heard the horror stories. We've watched the horror stories of people who were child stars, mm -hmm. and then suddenly, kind of, the show gets over, whatever that is, and and now real life's and. and it just blows up. It just goes right. crazy. That's not your story. Mm -mm. What, what, what is it like growing up as a child star? How did you guys navigate that part? Well, my parents were so influential in our lives and, and were so present in, in our lives and not just our careers. And, and my parents weren't about us having a career. That wasn't the first priority. It was our family first. And my parents were all about just moral values and integrity and and being kind and, and, you know, my mom kind of taught us to live by the golden rule, just to be kind to others and be grateful. And, but because of the importance that they placed on our family and not the industry in itself, I think that's why we kind of came out of the business mm -hmm. okay, because my parents were willing to say no and put their foot down and say, no, we're not going to participate in this or that. It was, it was really about just going to work and doing the job and not getting mixed up or allowing us to participate in any of the, the, the iffy stuff that could possibly steer you down the wrong hmm. road. So I, I think that's a pretty powerful answer in the sense that as, as I ask you that, the first thing out of your mouth is my parents. Mm -hmm. and, and we're getting ready to do a series starting next week about parenting. You can come. <laughs> and, I got three uh, kids. We've yeah. got three kids. Yeah, you guys have been married yeah, exactly. 13 years, right? <laughs> I always say that. Do you guys say that? <laughs> they're not just mine, they're his too. Uh, okay. He gets a little bit of credit, is, yeah. right? No. Yeah. So, but very, very cool. I, I love the answer. Hey, the thing that kept me grounded, the thing that kept me going is my parents. Yeah. It's a big Absolutely. deal. Parenting is a big deal. It is. Deal. Tell us something about Hollywood that we don't get from this side. Because we see Hollywood through this glass picture tube. Right. We've got our ideas. Tell us, what is it that we don't know about Hollywood? Well, yeah, Hollywood looks great, and, and movies and television look so great when you're just sitting there staring at it, or even at times reading the magazines about it, but it's really, it's really a ton of work, and I, I don't think that people realize how, how much work goes into it to produce films and television shows, and it's just not, it's not all glamorous, and mm. what you guys get to see is really the best of the best and the final product, but um, even... The celebrities that are, or actors or entertainers that are so glorified and how wonderful they look and how perfect they are, all are and how much money they must all have because they have the newest this and that. I'm like, let me tell you, they're getting it for free. They're, they're having a little help with probably airbrushing or some other things in their pictures. Hmm. And a lot of it is really phony. Hmm. It is. So I think that's... I think that's good for us to hear a little bit from someone who's actually on that side of it to say it because I think we live in a culture that worships celebrity. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we have people who are famous just for being famous. Right. And, and, and somehow we end up trying to pattern and model our lives after celebrity. Mm -hmm. And you know what you're saying is those celebrities aren't even what you see. Yeah, I mean, there, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot more to it. Yeah. And um, it's just, it's definitely glorified more than it really is. But that's not to say that people out there aren't working hard. I mean, it is, we, even on the, the new show, there are 14, 15, 16 hour days that you're working. So mm. it's, it's a lot of effort. Yeah. 
Okay, Val, let's, let's jump for a second. We, we've kind of got her, and she's moving along. You're, you're uh, growing up in Russia, which I think is just an intriguing story that here, here's this kid growing up in Russia, ends up playing National League hockey. How, how, does, how does that happen in your life? Well, it was a long journey. You know, I started playing hockey as a four years old, and uh, there was nothing really in my life except playing <coughs> hockey and going to school, um, start playing hockey. Uh, in Moscow, play for a national team there for a little bit, and then at about uh, 16 years old, we decided to move to North America, where I played a junior hockey league for two years, end up getting drafted by Montreal Canadiens. Uh, my first couple of years, actually, when we moved to North America, were a little bit difficult uh, transition because of the English and the culture, so it was a really a shock to me, uh, to the point where I would go back to my room and kind of... Uh, almost to the point where we're crying and go, why am I here? Hmm. Maybe it's a mistake, I should go back to Russia and continue playing there, but months went by and everything worked out the way uh, it should, I guess. Um, you know, learn English by uh, watching uh, hmm. a couple of TV shows. Uh, Full House is not one of them. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it was. So I have to tell you that we met because Dave Coulier, the guy that played Joey on Full House, he's a big hockey fan. And um, so he invited uh, me and the rest of the cast to a charity game that he was playing in in Los Angeles. And Val and his brother would train in L.A. every summer. So we went to this game to watch Dave, but then David pulled me over to the side and he said, hey, I met this really nice, really good Russian hockey player. There are two of them. He's got a brother, too. And uh, so he's like, I want to introduce you to him because they had told him they watched Full House all the time. Ah. They did. He was in love with me before he even knew it. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's, that's so interesting to have a hockey player admit that they watched Full House. I mean, that's... That's not what I told her dad, though. <laughs> Tell him, tell him why you, what you told my dad when uh, he asked you. We, we really, we were engaged, and my dad said, why, why do you want to marry my daughter? Yeah, one of the first times I, I think I met him. Yeah, I, would, I think my parents met him twice before I said, I'm engaged. Wow. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> that was weird. Uh, <laughs> but we were sitting around the table just talking, and her, her parents are wonderful. Uh, I love them dearly. Um, and we're sitting, and he goes, well, why do you want to marry my daughter? Can you give me a reason? And, you know, I keep my face really straight and look at him, you know, and I go, I need a green card. <laughs> 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 you know what? And he starts laughing. And at the time, I thought it was funny. But now I have my daughter. She's 11. If somebody says that to me, yeah. I'll take my stick out and say, yeah, hey, exactly. here's the door. Exactly. So the tables are turned. <laughs> You're sending that guy back to Russia, aren't Absolutely. you? Absolutely. <laughs> Fast. Okay, now, when you guys meet, okay, mm -hmm. Candace, you didn't really necessarily grow up in a Christian home. Right. Okay? So... You're, you're at one place spiritually, you're at a different place spiritually. Walk us through that. Walk us through growing up and kind of sure. that part and then... Well, like I had mentioned before, I had a very moral upbringing, but we were not a Christian family. Um, my, mom, my mom was a believer, but my dad didn't want anything to do with religion, so we had not discussed God in our home growing up until I was 12, and then 
I was invited to church um, along with my family by a friend. And that was the first time I really started hearing about God and knowing who um, Jesus hmm. was. And so I had said a sinner's prayer when I was 12 years old and asked God into my heart, but I was, my, my life never changed. My, I wasn't living a life for God in any way. So when I met him, really, I think we were at the same place spiritually. We had a basic belief in God, but there was nothing evident of a love for God. Hmm. And my brother was doing the movie or about to do the movie Left Behind. And his wife, Chelsea, had called me and told me they were about to do the movie and wanted to send me the book to read. So for those of you who aren't familiar with the Left Behind series, it's this Christian fiction um, novel, and it's based upon the rapture. And the rapture is the last book of the Bible where Christ is going to come back um, to take all of his people. Um, but the rest of the people that don't believe are, are left behind. And um, as I'm reading the book, there's a pastor that gets left behind after the rapture occurred. And I was thinking to myself, how can a pastor be left behind? Like a pastor can't be left behind. He's a godly man, you know? So... <laughs> yeah? <laughs> um, I was, so I was really, I, I really wanted to know, which they went on to explain in the book, and it was because even though he believed all these things, he wasn't living his life. He didn't have his, put his trust and faith in Christ. And because I had grown up thinking, I'm such a good person because my parents taught me to be good and be kind and respectful and all these things, I felt like all I needed was just to have a basic belief in Jesus, and I was covered. Hmm. And, and it wasn't until I really had read that book that it got me searching for questions because I went, this is too important for me to miss the boat on. Mm. And I thought, why, what do I believe about God? Do I believe something because my parents told me or because I truly know what the Bible says and what God has to say? And I just, at that point in my life, had to start searching for the answer. So I found a church to go to and just started going to church and was excited and I just, I couldn't soak it up fast enough because I had that light bulb moment where I finally understood the gospel message mm. and I, I understood why I needed God in my life. And um, of course, I, all I wanted to do was share it with Val and I was so excited and, you know, they play hockey or when they played hockey, they would practice about seven days a week and they don't get many days off. And I would just say, hey, I'm going to church and, you know, if you can go or want to go, I would love it. And some days he would and some he wouldn't. But I just, I was feeding off of it. So I would just come home and he wouldn't go and I would just like barf Jesus on him because it's all <laughs> like all I could do to just share with him because like I, I got it. So I think this is a huge moment for all of us to get in the room because I know there are a bunch of people in this room who would say, well, no, no, wait a minute, Candace, I grew up religious or I grew up with parents who took me to church and I've always felt good about God. I probably prayed to God mm -hmm. a whole bunch. And what you're describing is, is someone who's learned to be religious, mm -hmm. who's learned to kind of be a fan of God, but's never really landed a relationship. And that was what was happening in the book. Here was a guy who had become right. a pastor. He'd actually, as a vocation, was preaching at a, and, and he had never landed a relationship. He was religious. Right. And that this is the question that begins to just work in your life. Yeah. And, and you start saying, do I really believe this? Mm -hmm. 
or am I just kind of casually connected right. to this? Right. Which is a big deal. So all of a sudden you're saying, I believe. Yeah. I believe this is real. And now you're you can't wait to share this with Val. You're just Yeah. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> So what did Val, what does that look like for you? Because this is an interesting moment because you didn't go into the marriage this way, and now all of a sudden your wife is changing. She's becoming one of them, right? Yeah. And, 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 and you're going, wow. So describe that from your side when all of a sudden your wife starts this spiritual journey that doesn't make a whole lot of sense for you. What happens with you? Well, I think it's interesting for you guys, but not for me at the time. I was like, I was like married for two years, and all of a sudden my house just turns upside down. I'm, I don't recognize her. I'm like, who is this person? You know, start questioning. Is our, how's the relationship going to continue to grow? Uh, we're basically moving in a different directions. I'm continue to go left, and she turns around and goes right. 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 Yeah. I was going right. Right, exactly. <laughs> that was good, huh? Yeah. Yeah, we practiced that. Um, and it freaked me out. It freaked me out. It gave me some serious thoughts, and I'm going, wow, that's, that's not the person that I married. What, mm. what is going to be down the road? And uh, she freaked me out to the point where I don't want to hear about church. I didn't want to hear about anything about Jesus, God. I said, leave me alone. I don't want to hear it. Uh, and that was it. I put the kind of my foot down and said, that's it. It's yeah. done. And then she did. She left me alone, and uh, she left me alone for a few months, and that's kind of what start my walk, is hmm. seeing her kind of going, okay, you told me. Now, Candice, you actually tell the story. You remember the conversation in the car where he's saying to you, yeah. stop it. You know, I just stop pushing it, stop telling me this. Right. He said, if I want to ask you a question about God, I will. Otherwise, don't talk to me about God anymore. Yeah. And that was, it was hard to hear because I... I I truly didn't realize that in my enthusiasm of wanting to share with my husband, I wasn't trying to preach at him or tell him all the things that he needed to do dif differently and ha we had to change, but that's how it was coming out. And uh, so I, I, I went back that night and, and opened my Bible up and I, I knew there was a verse in there that talked about a husband um, and, and a wife or a wife winning over her husband. And it's in 1 Peter 3 verse 1 that says, wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if they do not obey the word, they, without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wife. Hmm. And so I, I just, I laid that down, and I went, God, you, you gave me a pro promise. I don't have to talk. I can, he can be won over without my speaking. He's asked me not to speak, so just help me to show him who you are by my conduct. Hmm. And I you know, prayed for his salvation and that he would be the spiritual leader of our household every day from that day forward and just tried my best to zip it. Tried your best is the operative word, yes. right? Yeah. <laughs> She's still trying. Hey! <laughs> so Val, you're there and, and, and she noticeably backs down. She noticeably begins to say, okay, I'm, I'm going to let you figure this out on, in, in your own time, in your own way. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, it's interesting part is uh, that she mentioned uh, we've been married for two years and our marriage was not bad. And, you know, looking at ourselves and going, we're not as bad as other people. So right. everything's going well. Well, when you see the changes going on her and uh, I start 
going to church with her once in a while, not feeling anything. Um, start asking her questions here or there. Um, and then little by little, I feel that the seed that she planted in me really is starting to grow. And uh, we're starting to interest, uh, find a little bit interest in going to church. After church is over, well, I feel good. Uh, start opening the Bible, asking her a few questions, not too many because... Uh, yeah, he was like secretly reading the Bible because I don't yeah. think he wanted to get me too excited because then I'd start asking him and, stuff. And, and she's, you know, she's kind of like waiting. Yeah. Like, are you going to ask me something? <laughs> Dude, it was so hard. And then, you know, the question that I asked her, I wanted to hear the yes or no or this is it. And you kind of the her, male answer, exactly. right? Yeah. And, and then yeah. sometimes, and she did a great job. She didn't really... I learned to get to the point and cut out all the fluff that yeah. us ladies like because we really like detail and most of the guys don't. So when he would ask me a question, I'm like, okay, here's the answer. And that was it. I had to like buff out everything else and just give him the point. That's what the guys like, honey. I know. Just hard. Straight to the point. <laughs> no. And so you, get, you're, you continue and, and you get to the point where you go, hey, this makes sense for me too? Uh, yeah, you know what, it's just little by little, the Holy Spirit work in my, uh, work, was working in my heart, and uh, then I, I step back and look what we had going, and I'm going, well, it's, it's completely different lifestyle, and I enjoyed so much of it that our marriage now centered around Jesus. Hmm. It's not just us walking, it's three of us walking now, and any problems that we have is we're laying down on Him and trying to figure out how to work it out. It's, Candace likes to say it's not about her or about me, it's about what Jesus likes us to do. And it mm. makes our marriage and our family work so much better. Hmm. So I think one of the things that's powerful about this part of the story for some of us in the room, because there, there are some in the room who are here today and they'd say, you know, my spouse hasn't figured this out yet. They haven't landed this in their lives. And if I could do it for them, I would. I mean, I would just... and. And yet, that it's just not. And, and to understand in this day, sometimes people get it like you mm -hmm. did. It goes wham, and it's just boom. And other times, people get it in pieces. They, they take a journey to get there, and finally they go, I believe this. It took me a while, and I, I did it, in, but I believe this with all of my heart. And realize that within your own marriage, there's the two different stories of how you both came to faith in Jesus right. Christ on the deal. And I love the fact that you, in honor, were willing to give him the time to do that and realize that your words might even push him away. Right. And you began to live it in action. That's yeah, and that's truly, truly by the grace of God. Yeah. You know, I, if you can tell it all, I'm, I'm an enthusiastic person and I like to talk. Um, and some of those things were, were hard for me. It was hard for me to take, take the back seat. Yeah. Um, and, but, but God gives you the tools if you, if you pray through it hmm. and you're willing to honor and take the action that he asks you to do, he will honor all of his promises. Hmm. Here's the question I want to ask today on behalf of people that are in this room who are saying, look, I haven't figured this God thing out. I, I haven't landed. I'm, I'm open to the discussion, but I, I'm not there yet. Why do you guys need God? I mean, we look at your lives and we go, Wow. Uh, you've got all the things. You've done the things that most of us in this room only dream of. I mean, I can't tell you how many men are in this room that say, I, I would give my right arm to have played professional sports. And you've done that. You've done that in a successful career. I guarantee there are people in this room who say, Candace, to, to know your success, to have your fame, to have your... 
And yet you guys achieved all that, and in the midst of all that, the thing that makes your eyes light up and gets you guys excited is this relationship with Jesus Christ. So help us understand why someone who has what you guys have, great marriage, all sorts of success, why do you guys need Jesus in your life? Well, at the, at the end of the day, none of the success or the fame or the celebrity or the, the, just the level of success that anyone achieves or money matters. None of it matters at the end of the day because God doesn't really care about it. When you stand before him, you know, he's going to say, did you know me? Did you, did you seek me? Because I've been here. Were you in relationship with me? Do you know what I wanted and what I have done, wanted to do with your life? I mean, that's what God cares about. Hmm. And, um, you know, God, God can use us all in different ways with, with platforms and things that he's given us. But again, if our focus isn't about him or on him, none of it matters. It's hmm. our eternity that matters. And, you know, just living the life that I've had, and it's, it's been a wonderful life. I mean, I, I have no complaints or regrets and feel incredibly blessed with the life that God's given me. But it doesn't really matter how good I think I am, if I'm a, if I'm a good person, or because God holds a different standard of what goodness is. Hmm. So by, by worldly standards, yeah, I can say I'm, I'm pretty good. But God gives us the standard of the Ten Commandments. That's His law. And He said, the only way to achieve heaven on your own is if you've attained this standard. So hold yourself up against God's law. Well, if I do that, I can, have I ever told a lie? Yeah, I've told a lie. Have I always put God first in my life? No. Have I ever used God's name in vain? Yeah. That's just three of the Ten Commandments. There's seven more to go. So I, I haven't kept that standard. Hmm. He has a much higher standard. So God says, yeah, I know you can't keep the standard. That's why I gave my son Jesus Christ, because he was perfect. He did live the, the perfect life, always obeying me. And yet, because of my love for all of you, I sacrificed him. Hmm. He, took, he took upon your sin and, and justified you in my name so that you could be with me in heaven. And what I want you to do is believe it and trust in it and abide in that. Hmm. And um, it's only by the blood of Jesus Christ that we, that we attain heaven. And let me just give you one more little analogy that I like. It's, it's as if I, had, I broke the law. I had a fine to pay. And if I wasn't able to pay the fine, I would be sent to prison. And as I stand before a judge and say, well, I don't have the money to pay that, and the judge is about to sentence me to prison, someone walks in the room and says, oh, no, here, I have a check in honor of Candace to pay your fine. You're, you're free to go. Your fine's been paid. I didn't deserve it. That person didn't need to pay the fine for me, but now I don't have to be sent, sentenced to prison. And that's exactly what Jesus did for all of us. We, we are all sinners. I sinned, but Jesus paid my fine for me. Hmm. Very cool. Val, anything you want to add to that? Man, I think she took all my time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Next service is going to start Val in a minute. No, I think, you know, she's, she's probably we think in the same as just how our life is or my life has changed and how much emphasis do I make on knowing where I'm going, my eternal life, my relationship with Christ. Um, 
it's, it's just like a you know, film came down or just fog cleared up and I can see it straight now. Uh, and that's just, just because knowing that Jesus was here and He mm. paid for our sins and now we're free. Mm. And that makes our life so much easier. You know, I think, I think the cool part and the part I love about your story, Val, is I think we all have a sense that probably the gospel's not real clear in Russia. And what does it mean for God to love a little boy enough to make sure he gets somewhere, gets involved in a life where he's going to hear the story about his son and one day is going to be able to make that decision for himself? I think your story is an amazing story of the love of God and how he brought you halfway around the world where you yeah. were going to hear this story yeah. about him. Yeah, that's a, yeah. God's love, that's what it is. Yeah. And his grace, amazing paths, you know, he takes you on a different journeys, but it's just... I'm not so always, thankful. Not always the journey that you think you're going to go on. Yeah. But, um, you know, his ways are always, are always right. You just have to be open to doing them. <laughs> hey, I want to honor you guys because in the midst of success, in the midst of celebrity, you guys have brought Jesus along with you. And I think we all know the stories of people who, as they get a little more famous and as they get a little more noticed, Jesus gets tucked in a corner somewhere, and you guys have decided just the opposite, that perhaps your celebrity, perhaps your success is the very platform in which you tell this story about yeah. Jesus. I want to honor you guys for that, and thank, thank you. you. Thank you for being here with us today. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, as, as we get ready to kind of wrap things up together, man, I, I hope what you've heard today lands. I hope it just lands front and center for you. You've just heard people who, man, in the midst of their life, have accomplished all the things that we spend a lifetime thinking we need. Uh, they, they've been successful. They've made uh, some finances that probably exceed most of what any of us are ever going to experience within their lives. They surely have notoriety and fame. And yet, in the midst of that, you got that the thing that excites them, the thing that, the thing that puts a smile on their face is a relationship with Jesus Christ, which I think leaves some of us who came to this room trying to figure this whole thing out having to ponder this question. What if? What if I get the next promotion? And what if I get the bigger house? And, 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 and what if I achieve that thing which I've been aiming for all of my life? Do I have to get there to realize that that in and of itself wasn't what my heart was aching for? That, that at the end of the day, just like Candace and just like Val, there was a part of me that needed to experience a relationship with God. Do you have to do the whole journey before that makes sense? Or could you listen to someone who's gone on before and could that land for you today? And I'm just going to ask you, if, if, even if you're just beginning this conversation, would you leave here today thinking about that? Do I have to go the whole way before God makes sense in my life? There's some of us in this room who maybe we've had friends or maybe we've got a spouse who's been trying to tell us this story or maybe, maybe we've grown up all our lives just kind of getting a little closer, a little closer to this. 
And just kind of like Candace described, something that got said today, something you went, I get it. I get it. It's not about being religious. It's not about how many times I make it to church. It's not about being a good person. It's about making a true, legitimate, life-changing connection with a Savior who died for me. And, and some of us just need today to take it to that next level. We need to say, I'm, I'm done being a fan of God. I'm done liking God. I want to be in with God. I want to place my life there. And the cool part about it today is it's as simple as a prayer. You and I could get this done together this morning. So here's what I want us to do. I'm going to ask us to bow our heads. I'm going to pray a little prayer that if you're at that point, if this makes sense to you, and I don't want to pressure anybody, but if, if it makes sense, you could simply pray this prayer quietly at your seat. You, you could move from liking God to being connected with God today. Let's just pray if if you're ready for that. That prayer would be a little something like this. Dear God, see, I've, I've spent a lifetime, and the truth is, I've liked you, and I, I've even prayed to you. But much like Candace described, I, I'm, I'm not sure as I sit here today that I've ever truly given my life to you, that I've really made the connection. And so I'm just going to simply ask, could I leave this room today knowing that I know that I know that you and I are okay? So I'm going to ask you to come into my life right now. I'm going to ask you to forgive me for all the things I've done that have disappointed and hurt you, all the things that Scripture, the Bible would call sin. I'm just going to ask you to be my Savior and wash all of that away. And I want to leave here today knowing the Jesus that Candace and Val know. And I ask you that in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Hey, I just uh, I want to say to you this morning that, that if you made that decision, if you prayed that prayer, there is a, a program, and on the program there's a place for you to write your name down. You can check a box that just says, I'm accepting Jesus as my Savior. And in a moment we're going to pass an offering plate. Don't worry about the offering plate if you're visiting, but if you made that decision, if you just dropped that card in, it's going to let us know to pray for you. But the second part of it is, is that we're going, to, we're going to send you some information on how to begin this journey, how to do this right so it doesn't end up just being one random Sunday in your life, but it ends up being a Sunday that changes your life. So if you would, just drop that in the offering plate, let us know. Hey, we're going to, you guys are going to lead us another song of worship, right? Okay.